Open Patience with Amelia Rope, a podcast about business, well-being and chocolate. Hello and welcome to our latest episode of Hope and Patience. It's wonderful to have you here. The joy with today's show is that we don't have to wait until the chocolate break to talk chocolate. As you probably know by now, my previous chapter was at the helm of Amelia Rope Chocolate. I had ambitious plans for it, but I didn't flip the coin in the direction I'd wished for, unlike our guest. You'll hear more about my story in the Christmas special. Now, if you've been watching Channel 5's recent series of Chocolate Unwrapped, you will have seen a snapshot into our guest. He is a charming and approachable dynamo in the chocolate world and has definitely flipped the coin to land well. Pretty much anyone in the UK chocolate industry would like to catch a sprinkle of his business fairy dust. He is Angus Thurwell, CEO and co-founder with Peter Harris of the iconic UK chocolate brand Hotel Chocolat. From a chocolate tasting club with 100,000 members in the early 1990s, this effective duo have built up a business which has a turnover of around 136 million and listed on AIM, the London junior stock market. So welcome to HMP, Angus. Thank you, Amelia. Delighted to be uh, chatting with you. Would you share with us how your previous chapters have led to the creation of Hotel Chocolat? I was very lucky to grow up in an entrepreneurial household. My father always made business look really exciting and uh, it came off him in, in sort of spade loads when he came home. And I suppose there was a sort of um, romanticism about, about business, which I was very lucky to be imbued with at an early age. And um, yeah, it depends how far back you want to go on this. But um, I want to go all the way back, Angus, because I think it all crikey. ties in. I'm sorry. Back to your days of film club society. Okay, okay. Well, <laughs> yes, I um, went to a quite a, a sort of relaxed and very sporty boys boarding school in the now famous Barnard Castle. And some older boys were leaving and wanted somebody to take over the film society. So um, I, I, I said I would do it. I've always been really interested in, in film. And I did it with my best friend, Paddy. And we pretty soon realised that this could be quite exciting because we could get access to films from a, uh, a rental company in Wardour Street who'd send them in big reels to us and we could show them in the chemistry labs free of charge. But we could also put posters up around the school selling tickets, you know, for, for example, Susan George, you know, in, in Straw Dogs, you know, sort of epic films like that. And in addition to that, we could we could ask people to subscribe ahead for, you know, a term at a time on the basis that we would show X many films. So we we soon had so much like 50p pieces and cash that we had to get into money laundering and <laughs> try and find ways to get rid of it all. <laughs> but anyway, that was you know an early introduction into, I suppose, advertising, um, subscription and and the you know the power of a bit of imagination as well i suppose the next uh, real turning point was when i was at university of sheffield and doing french and economics and in year three out of out of four years the idea was to spend it in france and i asked if i could get a job instead of being attached to a university in, in france and so I was allowed to, and I managed to get a job in a little high-tech company in Lille, in the north of France. Uh, you know, I had to 
quickly learn what they were doing, try and try and get a shape on it. And yeah, and then after at the end of the year, they begged me to stay. And I, I didn't want to go back to university because I found what I really liked doing. Yeah, and I did another year. And then unfortunately, you know, me and the, the boss sort of fell out spectacularly. And I just came back to the back to England and got a job in a similar field. And that's where I met my business partner, who's still my business partner, Peter Harris. We set up this little business making packs of promotional peppermints, which uh, sounds bonkers now, but and it was the most ridiculously niche idea ever in the world of, of confectionery. And um, we, we, we got the business built up to I think a couple of million pounds of sales and we were just, you know, mint, mint, mint. And a lot of our customers after you know, the first couple of years started saying, what have you got next guys? You know, we love your mints. We really like you, but you know, you must have something else. And we started researching chocolate. So we brought chocolate into our range initially in a pure business to business sense. And, and that really added something. And that then led to wanting to create a consumer-facing um, idea. And the first one was um, fast-delivered chocolates through the letterbox with a message card. And uh, that was a business we had a terrible name for called Choc Express because we didn't have any marketing budget at the time. And it was the early days of the internet and it's sort of worked, but it was really uh, tough to build it up. And what we found was that people would typically use this to send chocolates to somebody and then do it again a year later. And, and that's a long time to wait for, for another order from a, you know, from a customer. Mm. So there was a bit of a problem with that model. And, you know, we were just scratching our heads thinking, okay, how can we stay in touch with our customers, you know, on a more regular basis? And, and that's where the idea came for the chocolate tasting club, which uh, was based on what, what I'd seen happen when we were making new recipes up and we needed to sort of, you know, test and approve whether they were liked by a wide audience. So that really worked a lot better than the delivered gift business. And we, we found that we could, uh, you know, really sell the idea. People liked being part of a community. They liked the, I suppose, the surprise of, of, of something new and different arriving all the time. And they liked the, the adherence to a set of values. You know, we, we didn't use any nasties, anything artificial. Yeah, that, that really was the big growth driver for the business for, um, you know, a long time. Okay, so Angus, so then sort of rolling into how Hotel Chocolat, the brand, came about. The next stage really was that we realized that we had some successful business models, but we didn't have a great brand. We, we were outgrowing where we were and we wanted to have a, you know, a, a really, really good brand name. And so I drew on my experience in France where I'd heard French people, particularly French women, say chocolat. <laughs> and it, it came down to um, a promise of escapism. That, that special time when you're, uh, you know, you're transported because of great chocolate to somewhere else in your mind and it makes you, makes you feel great. So finding a word that 
would represent that was really hard. But eventually I, I, I found hotel and put that with chocolat. So that was a really huge turning point and also enabled us to, to be able to put hoist a name above a space and call it Hotel Chocolat and invite people in and give them a taste of what we, you know, the chocolate recipe we're working on and um, bring some warmth and storytelling. And, and that was how we started to piece together a strong brand with a um, direct to consumer model, multi-channel model. Angus, we're obviously in the COVID-19 world. How did the first lockdown in the UK affect you? And also globally, because it's not just you being based in the UK, you've got your stores, your expansion plan in the US and Japan. So how did you operate? When, when you're put to the test, you find out if you have strong values in your business. And we had the most existential threat to us from um, the first UK lockdown so close to Easter. We had all our um, Easter eggs and little city bunnies and everything all made and, and you know shipped out to our 100 plus locations up and down mm. the UK and then with very short notice, literally a couple of weeks out from Easter, three weeks out from Easter, uh, we had to close all our locations and um, in fact we elected to close them before um, the government announced it because you know we we, we didn't like the way things were um, shaping up, mm-hmm. um, and we um, had a, a enormous team effort to get that stock back to our centre, where we were able to um, amp up hugely our our digital proposition um, through some nimble thinking and and really committed teams. Um, we were able to figure out how to work safely how to deal with the huge surge in, in online response. I mean, we're talking, you know, 500, 600% change on the, on the previous year. Wow. And whatever business systems you put in, it's difficult to, uh, to envisage that. But we, we navigated our way through that and we collectively felt tighter and more together as a team because we'd faced down that, that kind of terrible business business challenge and found that we were made of creative stuff we're made of determined stuff and you know it's it's made the business stronger as a result also we knew that there were farmers up and down the island that were relying on us to take in their wet cacao which is how we work with the farmers in our engaged ethics program Mm -hmm. keeping that going and keeping the cash payments going to our farmer island farmer partners was was essential so we we were really proud that we were able to do that all the way through and then in japan and the usa it was a sort of similar story we actually made it onto the national uh evening news fuji news oh well done how brilliant a really powerful team you're obviously very good at recruiting one of, one of the things I've learned is, and, and I've been really um, helped on this by uh, a, a couple of our non-executive directors that we have in, in, in the business. So Andrew mm-hmm. Geary and, and, and Greg Holder in particular, who have, have really pointed out the importance of just getting the best people you can in a business, irrespective of if it's sort of inconvenient or you haven't got exactly the right role for them right now go for raw talent that you know just instinctively excites you you know you just meet people and you think wow i just want them in the business and um that had held me back previously where i'd been 
I suppose, more careful. And now I've, I've taken a few more risks with it and just getting people with the right values, the right attitude. Uh, and then the magic happens or the magic can happen. Has your purpose changed with the business, Angus, from the time? And we mustn't forget, Peter, he seems very elusive, but but he is a major player because he's your co-founder. But ha- have your pur- has your purpose changed? Um, I think probably not hugely. What we've been uh, become a lot better at is articulating what our purpose is and realising that to stand the best chance of delivering the purpose we have to say no to some things. Um, so when we when we created the Hotel Chocolat brand, that was the time that we started to really articulate what, what the purpose was and what the values of the business um, were. Um, and, and, and that was, it wasn't a, a, a huge change from what we were doing previously. It was more um, just a, a slight sharpening and a, a better articulation of it really do you i'm just going to um skip back a bit actually angus and look at the look at um food waste and food surplus because there thankfully is a real awareness um in this arena and we've had the founders of the olio app and london city harvest on the show recently who are helping to dis- redistribute food surplus do you have a lot of surplus with hotel chocolat and near to out of date products or or rejects what what happens to them um in the in the normal uh course of our business we're we've become pretty good at um forecasting and and um, we're very careful to um you know to, to to keep the the stock um aligned to what our customers want from us so, so no, we have quite a low level, but when we do, we 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 really hate to um, to generate food waste. It's it's um, complete anathema to us, and and we we love the Japanese concept of motenai, which means the utility of zero waste. So that's that's a really strong concept, and we really like that, um, and that's why we use the you know the cacao shells, for example, when we're making our chocolate to distill into gin um, or to put into some of our exfoliating beauty products all the way down the line we you know we, we really try and think about how we can make value out of every single bit of of the cacao bean and and the overall products that, that come from it so when we when we do have pockets of stock we we have a product called ugly but good which is a translation of the italian i think it's italian cake um which is, looks like a you know like an English rock cake or something. It's really gnarled and everything, but it's absolutely delicious and it's beautiful and and it's absolutely delicious. I should should say not, but um, <laughs> and 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 those sell very well because our customers know that it's you know a bit of a job lot of whatever we've got that's a misshape or um, whatever. But still tastes absolutely. But still delicious. tastes great. Yeah, absolutely. And and so when we have unexpected pockets of stock which were not part of the plan like in the um the lockdowns we um we find inventive ways to make sure they go to the right people and in the in the first lockdown we invited the whole um nhs and and um blue light emergency services to become honorary members of the hotel chocolat employee um, discount scheme which means you get 50 percent off anything we do 
and that was just a thing that we thought right how can we how can we um creatively you know figure this out but also do some good at the same time and it was hugely well taken up i mean we had nearly a hundred thousand um parcels delivered into the nhs for example wow I think everybody needed chocolate. They're going to be needing it again. And Angus, with um, addressing sustainability on the, uh, obviously within the cacao industry, the communities there, um, as well as packaging. So there must be huge amounts of packaging. What is Hotel Chocolat doing to address this? Yeah, well, if we start with packaging, first of all, Mm -hmm. and our um, planet pledge is that we will have... 100% 100% of our packaging um, recyclable or reusable by um, the end of 2021 um, was our initial pledge. But the um, COVID has made us push that out one year. So we're saying mm-hmm. by the end of 2022 now, which was, you know, I, I didn't really like, but we had to do it. Um, we're, we're into the 90s, so we're nearly 90 five percent very roughly that's brilliant packaging meets that requirement the difficult um elements of packaging are, are, are flexible films yep. where you have laminated layers and there's a disconnect between the way curbside recycling works and the municipal um waste sorting depots and and that type of complicated laminated film so we're we're joined up to the plastic pact um, and we're active members there to try and try and find better ways. And in the meantime, um, we, we will take any flexible um, film from any chocolate brand into any Hota Chocolat and we'll, we collect it. And then it comes back to our central um, warehouse and we, we, we sort it and we make sure that it's professionally recycled. So that's it, it's not perfect, but it's it's, you know, it's a workaround at the moment. So that's that's what we're really focused on. Watch this space, but we're nearly there, and, and this this is a a matter that is um, of the utmost importance for our team. It's it's the number one thing together with ethics, uh, ethics for people, for farmers, and and for the way we deal with our planet. Angus, do you ever allow yourself time to look at what you've achieved and have that sort of pinch me moment? Do you know what I mean by the pinch me moment where you just think, wow, I'm going to have to pinch myself. I can't believe it. I mean, I'm incredibly lucky to be able to do what I, what I love. And, um, you know, in, we're, well, I'm a great believer in the maxim of, you know, find something you love doing and, and you'll never work a day in your life. And that's that's the way I feel. I really, you know, love the, the team I work with, the the adventures of Hutter Chocolat. We really feel that we've got a, a long way to go. We're, we're, I used to say we're two chapters through, you know, a book of ten chapters, but we're probably three chapters through now. Um, but I mean, that's that's how far we we want to go, and and there's there's a lot yet to do. But I I you know I leap out of bed in the morning. I, I really excited about all the stuff you know we get up to and I'm very lucky to you know to, to have to be in this position very privileged and yeah it's I, I can't think of another thing I'd really like to do apart from maybe being a film producer but um yeah that would be exciting yeah <laughs> But I'm just thinking about it because you've been married, you know, your your wife, Libby, 
has has been with you through the whole journey and you know all your your children that you've had and everything how have you managed to balance being an entrepreneur being really driven pushing on with a company that is just growing and growing growing and spending time with your family has that been challenging at times uh, yeah, it has. And, um, you know, um, Libby and, and, and Peter's wife, Edwina, have made huge sacrifices in, um, in in allowing us to sort of get on and play with our train set. But, um, I mean, Libby's been um, in, in, involved in, in the business um, all the way through, as you say, and an amazing sort of counsel and, and a great analyst. Um, her brain is wired in a different way to me. So when we go on big walks at the weekend, I'm allowed to download what's going on and I just get amazing advice and ideas from Libby. Um, so she's very connected with the business and we did a big trip over to Japan and spent three, four weeks there in, in, in last summer. So the the feeling of being part of a you know a business family is, is a way to to help understand um, you know why you know why there's like a big call on on you know my time for example but being keeping everything in balance is is is, is absolutely is absolutely vital and, and it's 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 definitely hard when you're an entrepreneur to, to strike that right and I haven't I haven't always done that but I think I'm getting better uh, but you have to ask Libby if that's true or not. Well, you ha- it sounds like you have a really special partnership, and I think that is wonderful. It's 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 fantastic. Do you think your children or Peter's children would get involved with the business? Do you see it as a sort of generational? Um, you know what we don't, and and Peter and I made that decision right at the beginning. We you know because we're mm-hmm. we're we're fifty fifty, and uh, you know that type of um you know partnership really works with a you know a tight bond of 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 we two once yeah. you start introducing other family members in it's it's more difficult to keep it uh to keep it going and and, and keep it balanced so we our, our perspective on this is that we want our children to uh, be um be able to make their own minds up on what they want to do and to um to help support them in their ideas, with 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 advice, and and um, you know, and, and and that seems to have got off to a good start. So, uh, you know, family businesses can work very well, but uh, in our particular case, we didn't want to build a family business. We wanted to build a brand, and um, you know, I'm, I'm I'm really pleased with. I've got a um, a daughter Phoebe and a son Fergus, and they um, you know they're they're doing very uh, adventurous and um things that they love as well so i think hopefully i've you know libby and i've been able to create an environment where an, an environment where um creativity is is supported and risk taking is is supported well if it's like your dad and you they clearly will have an entrepreneurial um dollop of in their dna to do something creative and successful Yes, yes. I, I think you could you could say um, you know uh, that that could be the case. What have you learned, Angus, about yourself from since you've had the business and and grown with it? I, I know what I'm what I'm interested in, and I try to to make sure that the things that I'm not naturally interested in, I've got really really good people around me who are interested in that, so that we we can be a you know a diverse team 
and we can we can be effective and um and just respecting that different people think in a different way their mm -hmm. brains work in a different way um and you know i i like to make fast decisions i like to to work quickly other people like to reflect on things and come back and you know i've learned to to value that and give people a bit more time to um to you know to be able to come up with things what do you think has challenged you most so far and and you know what have you learned from that challenge the the, the big guiding principle that i use and i like to encourage in a business is we just get better every day and as long as we're progressing on all all the things that are important to us then we don't have to do it overnight we you know we, we can have minor setbacks we can have major setbacks as long as we've learned something big from it and ultimately we we um keep our, our our big plans on track our big values on track then it doesn't matter you've got you've got to accept and expect that in in in, in, a, in a world of um of adventure and a world of different agendas you know this is going to happen and if you're trying trying new things if you're trying difficult things you can't expect it to be a complete shoe-in immediately on every single thing no just so do the best of best that one can i think as long as one's trying one's best yeah and perseverance and perseverance know, and, 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 yeah resilience that's it that's it Okay, so quick fire round before we tuck into the chocolate, which I have been waiting for. Angus probably has too, because I think he's a chocoholic, obviously. Um, optimist or pessimist? <laughs> optimist. Introvert, extrovert, or a mix of them, which is called an ambivert? I used to be a mix, but I think, I think I've turned into an extrovert, I'm afraid. Perfectionist or non-perfectionist? Mm, I think non-perfectionist with a perfectionist medium-term agenda. <laughs> early bird or night owl early bird okay so now this is the chance angus have you got your chocolate ready where we i have to say that angus's team sent me two whopping great boxes of chocolate because i said i need to have the chocolate that we're going to try on the show and i was religiously just going to open the box live as we talk and tuck in for the first time but i have to say that i have eaten 25 of the 27 chocolates in the box. But I have kept the one that Angus wanted to share and chat about. So Angus, I'm about to tuck into Going Nuts. Tell the listeners why we are tucking into Going Nuts. Well, there's something about the alchemy of um, cacao and hazelnut in particular. Mm. And roasted hazelnut has a sweet note, a, a sort of like a multi note that just harmonizes so amazingly well with, with, with cacao. And the thing I particularly like about going nuts is that you've got that really working with two whole hazelnuts and a, a, a thick layer of praline that's made with, with, with hazelnut as well. And, um, and the other dimension is our super milk chocolate, mm. which is a dark milk mm -hmm. and 65% um uh, cacao so it's it's restrained on sweetness it's loaded up with loads of nut um nut, good vegetable uh, based um plant fat nut fat and um and this amazing crunch and then melt 
Yeah, it's all the textures, Angus, isn't it? It's biting into the hazelnut. Then you get that soft praline and then you have the hard outer shell. And it's really delicious. And I have to say that when I opened the box of chocolates, I thought, wow, this is going to be one massive sugar fix. I was absolutely amazed that although they look, I mean, they still are sinful. Chocolate is sinful, but I don't care. They have, they are not overly sweet. They end on a very clean note. And that I think is really impressive. And they are very Moorish. And this one is, and I'm recording this in a room where I'm freezing to death. So actually the, the bit of chocolate has given me a bit of energy and va va vum. Angus, you've got to get, but you're going to be put back to work again, I'm afraid. Your judge of the Great British, or one of the judges of Great British or the Entrepreneur Awards, what do you think defines a true entrepreneur? Because I think that entrepreneur often has become the sort of new word like luxury. Everything was suddenly luxury. Everybody's defined as an entrepreneur. To me, you are because you're a pioneer. But what do you think defines an entrepreneur? First of all, I think it's really welcome that people who are starting enterprises, uh, you know, even if it's if it's you know just themselves or or you know have an aspiration, a bravery to try and to to do something, um, to live their you know their dreams. I, I really ad, ad, admire admire that, um, and it's good that in the public's perception that has become more more respected than. Um, it used to be um, previously, you know, unless you were a, a you know a barrister or you know or a or a doctor or a, a banker, you know, you you uh, to be in in kind of business was you know slightly um, you know turn the nose up sort of time, but um, I think d- there's definitely been a sea change in that, mm. which which is which is great and that's encouraging younger people to to get into it as well. And I I you know when I do talks, I'm amazed at the the ambition, the enterprise, the creativity that's just out there, which is you know really um, great to see. But um, an entrepreneur is anybody that that brings together um, different elements to try to create something out of nothing. And and for me, that's it. You know, you don't see it as flipping it on its head into success because that's what I you know people used to say I was an entrepreneur and, and okay I, I had a lot of drive and I was resilient but for my chocolate business I didn't flip it you know I didn't take it to where I really really dreamed of it going so therefore that to me is where I would say I'm I was a small business owner do you see what I mean and yet yeah, my no, mindset I, I, was I'm one seeing, of an entrepreneur. Me, Amelia, no, I, 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 I don't think there's an overlay of success or not success because interesting. You then, you then have to introduce the idea of well, over what period of time you're measuring it, yeah. And how can you know somebody could create a business that's phenomenally successful for three years and then it's, uh, you know, it stops because it's yeah. um, based on something that's not enduring or long term. Similarly. You could take chapters in 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 you know our business history where you, you could look at us and you could say what are you guys doing you're going nowhere you know you your business is isn't isn't actually in a uh, in a, in a great place um, so I think the perseverance the hope is is vital and um, an entrepreneur is a person it's not you can't judge a person by um, one of their projects it's you know your your life you know your if you want to be an entrepreneur how many goes can you can you have at 
you know, ultimately making it work in a way that you want Hopefully it to loads. Work. As loads, <laughs> loads is the answer, as many as you can fit into a lifetime. And as long yeah. as you don't harm other people by by getting there, then there's there's no uh, there's no downside to that. And it's it's difficult. Um, so no, I, th I think it's it's just an entrepreneur, somebody brings things together to try and create something out of nothing. Angus, I'd love to know your thoughts on the words success and failure and what they mean to you. Success can be judged by other people or by, by you. And I, I, I think ultimately it's, it's the, only, the only thing that matters is your own judgment on success. And that may be the same as other people's opinions or may not be. But um, drawing it back to the opinion that really counts, it's you. And living a successful life means living um, a, a good life. Um, and being, for example, in Huta Chocolat, we say, look, our mantra is to be brave and be kind. So being How brave lovely. means being coming up, you know, contributing, speaking up, um, you know, calling out bad behavior, um, being brave, actually making yourself count. Um, and being kind means, well, be kind to somebody if they've try to be brave and they've made a you know a bit of a fool of themselves or whatever you know it's that that the, the two things together have really caught the imagination of of our team in Huda Chocolat and, and it's referenced a lot so so I think success measured by by you is is the most important thing and then failure well clearly there are you know failure does exist but again the the terms of failure and, and and the period of time that it's measured over and whether it's a, in a business sense or a personal sense or uh you know an ecological sense or i mean there's so many different ways of defining failure and you know I, i'm a great believer that failure can be can be reversed and there's always hope that in the in in the seeds of what might be deemed to be failure there's there's often uh, you know, a way out of it, a way to improve it and get back to something good again. We are now going to head into just a little bit on your well-being because I feel that's really important to anyone running their own businesses to remember to look after themselves. In fact, th this week I was reading about um, the that you can detect stress. They're looking at detecting stress in earwax. And apparently you can also detect how much stress you have going on from your hair as well. It's the, the I think it's the stress hormone cortisol. But it's amazing how much development people are now doing into stress. Angus, what how do you handle stress and where does it affect you? Um the thing that triggers uh stress for me is if I've got a plan and it risks being thwarted in some way. And that's that's just you know because um you know I, I suppose in my own mind i've gone further on the plan i already think it's it's like formed and it's there and if somebody tries to thwart me on it it's uh you know it, it's it's like taking 15 steps back and um and part of it's because i haven't done a good enough job of explaining what i'm trying to do or bringing people along with me in every case so, so I've become better at that, but it still does trigger, a, you know, like a, a, I think a, yeah, a stress reaction. And I've found the best way to do that is just to talk and not bottle it up uh, at the earliest opportunity with whoever it is or whoever they are. And 
and then very quickly it just goes away and it's all it's quite often about miscommunication rather than being you know fundamentally different in in in, in other ways so i i like to stay healthy i do you know lots of sport I like to get outside um i i eat healthily um you know we we eat a lot of cacao all the time which um like you know imbues a feeling of sort of power and strength a real believer in in what happens when you have 100 percent you know unsweetened cacao for example just uh made into a made into a drink like with water um drinking one of those every day uh is is way better than coffee i have coffee as well i must admit but it's very good as an overlay to coffee and um no, I think it's a good sense of humour. Uh, so, so Peter and I love, um, you know, like a black sense of humour. So when you know when we've we've been up against it and different things, it's humour is just so good at, at finding ways to talk about difficult things or, or putting things into context. So um, no, I'm very lucky. I've got a very supportive um, ecosystem around me, and um whenever i've had stress measured it's it's not typically high but it, it does it does come from time to time and I, i'm aware of that but i'd encourage everybody to find your own ways to sort of deal with it in, in are you way. um good at with sleep angus and if you're not what do you do if you wake up and you feel fully alert um i'm normally very good i'm normally good with sleep i like to get enough and i try to avoid looking at devices in the evening and I know that can keep me awake and if I do wake up um, because something's weighing on my mind or something's just you know you know how the brain sort of works overnight and it just suddenly mm -hmm. clicks on something that does happen you know rarely but when it does I just the best thing is just to get up and get on with it and then um, you know tough it out for that day and then catch up the next night. And Angus, do you have a book or a song that you could share with us? The one that I, I found that I've referred back to quite frequently is um, recently is um, the Sapiens book. Oh yes, it's in my bookshelf. It uh, deals with effectively brands in a in a very kind of ancient history way. Mm -hmm. what, why is Homo sapiens different from other sapiens types that emerged at the same time? And it's this ability to have a collective imagination of of a thing which could be a, a nation um, it could be a political party a religion or a brand and and that was quite illuminating to read that it's so deep rooted in us that it's the foundation of, of, of sort of our ability to organize ourselves and 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 you know how that relates to a, a, a you know a branded family was it's very interesting to read. So, Angus, what little bite-sized piece of advice would you give anyone who is planning to start up their own business? I would say if you're hesitating, um, err on the side of having, you know, doing it, because that's often the biggest impediment, um, waiting until literally all the stars are aligned before you you, you know you, you you make a start and and that can that can be you know a never you know wait because things things don't typically totally click into place you have to just 
sort of get going and, and then make the rest of them click into place. So that was the first thing. And I think the other thing is uh, being really creative and, and, and in the early days of not spending money on the wrong things. And, um, you know, that can, that can be uh, splashing out on, you know, some essential office gear to, <laughs> yeah. to try and put off the day that you have to go and make your first sale, for example. <laughs> yes. Um, or equipment, some shishi bit of equipment that you just yeah. think. I remember I bought a, a fridge for chocolate truffles that cost me eight grand. It never worked, and I never really used it because I didn't really do truffles for very long. But I it know, is we've that all, thing. We've all done that, but it's it's yeah, and it's a way of <laughs> stalling for time before yeah. you actually do the thing you know you've got to do, which is uh, is my idea actually going to work, and how do I how do I know? Well, find a way to get in front of some real customers which could be, you know, physically or, or you know, digitally, or you, you could pretend you're really in business and actually not be in business, which, um, which we did, um, you know, to, wow, to, that to, get a, to get a, well, to get a live read, you know, you can just uh, print up some, some notepaper and go through all the moves of, you know, pitching something, but actually you haven't, you're not actually in business yet, but you haven't told anybody that. And it, it's, it's a good way of, live testing if your idea is going to work that i think is a very very wise gem i would take that and and put it in your pocket because i think that is fantastic angus finally um the podcast is called hope and patience where have you had to have hope and where have you had to hang on to dollop loads of patience well hope is you know is, has always been there and I, you know i can't i I don't think I could live without hope being there. I mean, it's it's just ever present. I'm very lucky that it's it's just you know a fixture. It's a it's a bedrock. Um, and patience. Ooh, I haven't got a lot of patience. I, th I think uh, that's a difficult one. And I I struggle with that. Do you think with age that I mean I struggle with it and it's my middle name but do you do you think that with age one gets more patient I'm not sure whether it's a good thing to have patience to be honest um if you want to be an entrepreneur and a a, a guy I respect very much said that he has noticed that people who are entrepreneurs tend to have um, a visceral sense of urgency, mm -hmm. which can be uncomfortable to be around and mm -hmm. can can sort of burn you out if you're not careful as well. But it's yeah, it really made me think. I love that phrase, a visceral sense of urgency. Yes. Um, and um, yeah, so so that that's why I think that patience may not be, you know, a, a, a good thing if you want if you want to be an entrepreneur. Yeah, and you want to crack on. So where can our listeners who are scattered all over the world find your yummy chocolate and also keep keep in check with what you're, you know, keep up to speed with what you are all doing? The, the best way to keep up to date is um, on, our, on our website. So in America, we've got a dedicated American site that does uh, local American deliveries and um, obviously UK, com. And in Japan, we're up to 10 locations now, which we're very excited wow, about. Wow, that's brilliant. I'm so yeah. envious of that. I really wanted to crack Japan. 
Yeah, we, we, we love Japan and uh, yeah, it's, it's just going to be the next big adventure for us. Well I'm, done, I'm Angus. Sure. I think that's brilliant. And also you've got an app, haven't you? We, we have, a, 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 which is on, the, on any of the, um, the app stores. Um, so if you search Hertha Chocolat, uh, you, can, you can find it there. And we have a, a VIP rewards app as well. So all, all that's really important to us. But no, I mean, social media on all the usual platforms and particularly interesting uh, content coming out of what we're doing in St. Lucia. We've got a, a, a great and vibrant um, social uh, you know, sort of story that's unfolding there with amazing imagery and, and uh, you know, all the ins and outs of um, being cacao farmers. So, no, there's, there's a lot going on. I know, on. we yeah. haven't even touched on that. You have to come back on the show. But, um, <laughs> Angus, what's the – it's all the Hotel Chocolat um, handles, is it, for St Lucia or they – Yes, so, so if you if you uh, search Hotel Chocolat on your preferred platform – um, so it'll example, come up with all the options. Yeah, Instagram. It'll it'll show you all the different um, uh, you know accounts that we've got, and and you can you know pick which one you like best. Yeah, well, the Saint Lucia one I think will be amazing. So I would definitely be following that one. Um, Angus, I would like to say a huge thank you because this is one of the busiest days with our lockdown happening. For you to spare your time with us today has been amazing and thank you thank you thank you um for coming on the show total pleasure amelia and uh yeah and i remember when you know when we first met and all the times that we've met since then and um wish you all the best and this is this is a you're really good at this by the way so i'm really enjoying oh, it thank you angus i mean i remember just very quickly a time where we sat on a panel for the academy of chocolate and i sat next door to you and i said you don't have any problems with cash flow naively and i i have always remembered it and you said i think i probably would do because i employ 700 people so this was years ago and it made me think wow big companies also have problems with cash flow which now i realize is totally obvious um, but you, what I love about you, Angus, is that you are so approachable and you're so, you are a really inspirational CEO and co-founder. So, um, love, I, I'm sure Peter is equally lovely. Um, but thank you. It, it's just, it, you're my sort of one he of is. my chocolate heroes because you've, he's nicer, in fact. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure he is, but it's, but it is that thing where you speak to someone who I have looked, I have studied you in the, business IP center, you know, your brand. I have work, I've tried to work out, you know, everything and, and, and absorb what you have done. And it, it's just incredible. And it is so tough, the chocolate industry, the margins are so slim and it's, it's just amazing. So thank you, Angus, very, very much. Amelia, real pleasure. And until the next time. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Anyway, before I go, it's time for my book recommendation and quote for this episode. The book has to be a chocolate one, The True History of Chocolate by Sophie D. Coe, who's an anthropologist and food historian, and Michael D. Coe, who is professor of anthropology out in the US. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good methodical history of cocoa, and it is superbly referenced and sourced, so I would really recommend it. The quote is from Coco Chanel. Don't spend time beating on a wall, just transform it into a door. A huge thank you for finding the show. I hope you enjoyed the chat. Don't forget to subscribe to get the latest episode. And if you're enjoying the show, it would be truly fab if you could rate and review it or even share it with a mate. 
Any book recommendations, quotes, songs can be found in the show notes and on the website too. Until the next time, however tough the times get, keep that inner sparkle you have. Open Patience with Amelia Rope. Join the conversation at hopeandpatience.co.uk. Find Amelia on Facebook at Hope and Patience or on Twitter and Instagram at Amelia underscore Rope.